Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to introduce Sharing from England, who has multiple sclerosis. Welcome, Sharing. Thank you. Could you tell us when you first started to notice MS symptoms? I think it was in middle of 2007. And how old were you at that time? I was um, 49. So what led to your diagnosis? What symptoms were you having? I had poor balance and fatigue and bladder control. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, loss of bladder, bladder control. And memory problems. Yes, that was uh, the thing. And I had weak weakness in my balance and my walking. Mm-hmm. My left uh, foot felt very heavy, heavy. When were you diagnosed? Was it long after you first started to have the symptoms? It was in 2008, April 2008. And had your MS advanced much in that time? No. In fact, it was even got better. And how did you hear about LDN? I read an article in our local newspaper um, from some policeman who had MS and had used LDN for his medication and was very happy with the results. So were you able to get LDM from your own GP? No, he didn't want to prescribe it and I understand why because he hadn't heard about it. Was it easy to obtain a a private prescription? At first it wasn't but then I found some practice which uh, would um, prescribed it and yes it wasn't very uh, difficult Um, and where do you get your prescription filled which chemist do you get it from Dixon's so if you had to rate your quality of life before you started LDN from Uh 1 to 10 and and 10 being the best what would you have rated it at 6 6 and now 9 so what has LDN helped with? With many of my symptoms. I have still balance problems, but uh, that extreme fatigue has gone. The loss of bladder control has gone. And the weakness in my right hand especially, which prevented me from writing, has almost gone. Mm-hmm. And also my uh, memory problems. Has, has gone to. Have you seen your doctor? Has he seen a, an improvement in you? Uh, I have seen my MS nurse. I haven't seen my neurologist. And yes, I think they have um, seen the difference. What would you say to other people who are contemplating trying LDN? As it has no side effects, I suggest them to use it, to think seriously about using LDN because it can 
harm and it might even change their lives. And when you started, did you notice any initial side effects? No, nothing. Not, not at all. And how long would you say it took for LDN to start working for you? For some of the symptoms, I think straight away. The loss of bladder control, I think in, in a few days. And other things gradually uh, got better. And how long have you been taking it now? 13, 14 months now. Mm-hmm. And would you stop taking LDN? No. Why would I? Well, thank you very much for sharing your story with us, Shireen. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. This is Sophie from the United Kingdom who takes LDN for Tumefactif MS. Thank you for joining me, Sophie. Okay, thank you. Could you tell me when you first started to notice there was something wrong with you? Um, well, back when I was, I think I was uh, late 20s, and I thought they thought I, my left side went a bit weak, my hands mostly. And so I went to the doctors, and they thought I had a mini stroke. And <clears throat> went to the hospital, and they said, yes, you know, I think I had a mini stroke for the birth control pill. So I stopped that. And then 10 years later, um, I moved, obviously moved up from where I was in Kent, moved up to London. And um, I woke up, and it was worse. My speech was funny. It was like, you know, I had to struggle with something. So I got taken to hospital, and I was in there for about three weeks. And I um, had the MMRI scan, CT scan, and then they'd done a lumbar puncture too. And I was diagnosed, um, a bit later on, I was diagnosed with MS. And there um, was no treatment given to me at all. Just, they said it was benign at MS, maybe. And then nothing again for a good five, six years. Then um, that time, the this last time I was, um, like, um, it's again, it come on really slowly in the morning and I couldn't walk, couldn't talk. You know, it was really bad this time. And then I was in, got to, to Westminster Hospital in Surrey. And uh, then um, Dr. Malik of Chan Cross, um, knew the consultant at Middlesex and he's quite interested in it. And um, so he took me under his wing and diagnosed me with Baylor's consentic fibrosis, which is consentic rings on the MRI scan. And then he treated me with azavioprine and um, and um, vitamin D, D3, oh, 5000 IU, and I had steroids. Now, graduate have physiotherapy, gradually improved. Um, I can't, my, the only thing that's not improved is my, my, I walk with a stick now, and, um, you know, balance is still a bit, and the speech sometimes. Um, but I, I improved a lot. And then over the years I've been seeing him, um, on his letters he, he now writes demyelination syndrome, or also timofactive, timofactive microcosis. So, um, but my letter is a demyelination syndrome. Um, and then, um, so I've been seeing him. I had a little, tiny little episode, more like an exclusion, I think it's called, and, and, uh, in March. They just have to give me some steroids, and some steroids, and that's fine. And then um, I looked on the website, Facebook, and things, and um, saw some effective website. Um, and Kathy Evans told me, got in touch with her, and she was the other 
lady in the country with the same sort of demand she to infect it in the country. So yeah. got in touch with her. She's also under Dr. Malik. And then she told me about LDN. So the next time, and then it's LDN, next time I saw Dr. Malik and my six-month I mentioned to him about it, and he said, yes, he has heard about it. And Kathy, he gave Kathy a prescription for it, and she's doing okay. And he, he, he's quite, he wouldn't mind doing it for me. So um, I sent away for it, and um, it came to the post and said to me, take 1.5 meals at night um, you know, before you go to bed for a month, and you can increase it to three meals after that. And so there you go. So I uh, talked to Kathy, she told me about what it tastes like and you know when to take it and about it can interrupt your sleep and fizzy dreams. And maybe summer cake, but anyway, so I took it, I took it, and um, I woke up in the morning, and um, it's, I, you know, I just woke up feeling 100 years old, and I woke up feeling quite, oh, you know, positive, and I didn't ache, because before I took LDN, I started getting, like, funny twinge run up my arm, through my neck, and really painful, like a spasm, I've never, ever had that, so I having that for weeks and weeks and weeks but that's okay it's just taking it and that's completely gone I've not had it at all and um I, my energy I, I was more fatigued for LDN they thought it was maybe pre perimenopausal but I wasn't because uh, I had the bone test for that and um so I'm not less less lethargic more energy I just feel myself again and um I still get stuck on thinking about things if I can't remember something but it's it, I can remember it quicker you know, the brain, it's a brain fog thing. And that's gone. But the, the main thing is that I feel my body feels more um, more relaxed and I have no funny little pains or twinges or um, spas, I can't say spasticity, anything like that at all. Or even I just get shooting pains in my head and I don't have that anymore. But it's that, I call it the elixir of life, so for me it is. But I, I surprised after one day, and then I went to three meals, and it's just like, it's just the same. It's just, just nice, lovely, so I can say. So, before you started LDN, if you had to score your quality of life on a score of one to ten, uh, ten being the best, yeah. before LDN, what would it have been? A four. I mean, my quality of life is okay, but I felt... I felt like I've got a young child of five. That's hard work anyway. But I felt I felt my old my body felt old. I felt tired. I'd go to bed early. I didn't feel happy myself or anything, you know. Oh, I, it was the, the, I've got have the disease and there's no cure for it. But you, I just still battled through it. But you know, it was it was, I wasn't down down. But I felt like I had no no endorphins left. I mean, I think I didn't have endorphins because since I've taken it, I've just feel happier. It must it makes me think, God, maybe they're all gone. The endorphins are sucked away from the disease. So, so it was definitely a four, five. And what, and what would you say now? Uh, Fifteen, twenty. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Especially the pain that I've sucked, that I've never had before. That I sucked getting. I thought, here we go. It's getting worse now. There's something else niggling away, but it's totally gone. It's totally Amazing. that day. I know. It's, I can't, can't believe it, really. But it's just, um, Kathy did say about you, the feel-good feel factor. 
it's amazing. And I thought, yeah, yeah, but it is on such a low, such a tiny little bit of stuff, and it's it's, it's amazing, you know. And yeah, we're all disease it brings you down anyway but you do need a little help you know it's never going to get cured and this just just gives you something you know to feel better with you know it's great <laughs> well it's amazing very inspirational story i'd like to introduce stefan from england who takes ldm for multiple sclerosis good morning stefan good morning linda could you tell me when you were diagnosed with ms um i was officially diagnosed in February of 2004, although I'd been experiencing the symptoms of MS and just didn't know what it was and for about four years before that. And what, ex- what symptoms were you experiencing at that time? Well, I think before I ex- to put into perspective, I've always been a very healthy, fit man. I've done a lot of um, what would be considered to be extreme sports. I've done nearly a thousand skydives. I was a hang glider pilot, a scuba diver, a mountain biker, a rock climber, and a pilot. And being so fit and active all the time, and then during this four years, the late 90s and into the early parts of this century, um, I started to um, experience weakness. Um, I'd be in the gym and I would find that I I had very little stamina. And I started to notice that my um, my left side primarily was becoming. Uh, if sometimes it felt like my left leg wasn't mine, I would start to walk, and I wasn't sure whether my left leg was actually moving, and I would stumble and fall. Um, so it was confusing. I went to the doctors, um, and it's a strange thing. I mean, at that time, I didn't really have any great understanding about MS and the reasons why MS happens. Um, so when I went to the doctor and the doctor says, okay, we'll do a blood test. And he did a, 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 just a CBC, a complete blood count, and then said, there's nothing wrong with you. Now at that time, I just took his word for being correct. Um, now the reality is that when a blood test is done, you can't see MS from a blood test. Um, you can see markers that indicate something is wrong and then that associated with other things can actually give you a greater um, uh, understanding of what's happening. But um, at the time, the doctor says, no, you're, you're okay. So I just presumed I was okay. Um, and then in um, 2002, uh, I met through some friends, a woman. I moved to Colorado, and um, I got married and basically lived in this incredible of Colorado, which is mind-blowing. And I was doing exercise like mountain biking, but I found that when I was um, pedaling up a hill, and normally what I would have done is just stand up on the on the pedals and, and really power up, and I would get very weak. And it just became confusing to me because I just thought, well, maybe it's because I'm getting older. And at that time, I was 46. And I was just finding it very strange. I, I couldn't, you know, it was the male ego thing, you know, so I'm big, tough, and I can do anything. And <laughs> I just couldn't understand why I was getting weak. Um, it was a bit strange. So it just, I, I was more confused than anything because uh, the medical professionals who I saw just dismissed my 
planes of weakness and instability and bad coordination is just, oh, well, you're getting the older, Mr. Ken, don't worry about it. So that was just a frustrating thing for me. Mm-hmm. So what happened at diagnosis? Well, what happened was, um, uh, again, in, the, uh, in February, I became a little uh, sick in that um, I fell over. I was I, I get up, I used to get up very early in the morning because I, I worked for a company. Um, I was in a sales role. I was a sold an asset management tool checking software, and I would be in the office at six o'clock in the morning because I worked with the East Coast and uh, Colorado is in Mountain Time. Then there's uh, Pacific, then Mountain, then Central, then Eastern. And I worked with the Eastern time zones, so they were two hours ahead of me, and so I would get into the office at six and work with them at uh, eight. Well, I got up and I was actually um, just in the bathroom and I was having a shave and all of a sudden the mirror in front of me appeared to be being moved radically from in front of me to lower right. It was just as if it was moving all the time. So I, I gripped hold of the sink um, because I was becoming uh, very confused and um, disoriented and I ended up collapsing on the floor. And my wife had two cats. And she, the cat, one of the cats, a very clever little cat called Einstein, was meowing like this all the time. And Donna got up and she came to me and she said, Einstein, what's the matter? And she turned around and looked in the bathroom and I was laying on the floor. And she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm getting ready to go to work. And she said, no, you're not. She helped me stand up and put me back into bed. Now, I'm not the sort of person who sleeps a lot. I'm a very early riser, but I end up sleeping for another three hours or so and then she took me to hospital and uh, or took me to the doctor's first the doctor basically was very confused but said you know i've got an idea of what this could be but i want you to go to hospital so they sent me to hospital and um, they put me in a, in a ward and over the course of three days they did mri cat scan eeg ultrasound lumbar puncture and um, well oh yeah they did all these tests and eventually the um, doctor, a very um, uh, interesting neurologist from New York, came to me and said, there's no way of breaking this to you gently, Mr. Cairns, but you've got multiple sclerosis. And I said, oh, um, well, I'll deal with it. He said, well, I'm sorry, you can't deal with it. It's uh, an incurable disease, and if you don't get onto medication in two weeks, or if you don't get into medication, you'll be in a wheelchair in six months. And I refused. I didn't want to have... MS on my uh, records because obviously in America you pay for your health insurance. My health insurance at the time was um, $90 a month. It would have gone up to a, around $600 a month, which I just couldn't afford. So I said, no, um, I'm just not going to have this on my record. And I refused to go back to hospital. And I thought, I'll treat this myself. And I did, did lots of research. And um, eventually I came across... Um, a product called Zango, X-A-N-G-O, which is a drink made from the mangosteen fruit. And a company in, in, uh, in Utah had created this incredible juice, um, nothing in it other than the fruit of mangosteen and seven of the juices. And I started taking it, and I started to notice differences. And within a couple of weeks, I went from being a very uncoordinated person with no strength whatsoever to being able to exercise. Only... Um, a minimal amount, but I definitely noticed differences, improvements. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, very excited. And over the next, well, I still take Zango now, and that's 
it's kept me from being in a wheelchair, without a doubt. But, um, shall I explain a little bit more about what I've done? Yes, please. Okay. Um, so, in 2007, I um, interviewed for a job with a company called Huggins Applied Healing. And um, Dr. Huggins is the world leader in um, dentistry and dental toxicity and the, the problems are created through contamination of the blood. Um, and um, I interviewed with him three and a half hours after the interview. Um, he said, well, Stephen, um, are you prepared to lose all your friends? And I said, why would you say that? He said, well, when you know what you know, you'll lose all your friends. <laughs> I was confused by this a little bit. But I said, yeah, sure, you know, because I'd read a lot about him and I accepted the job. Then over the next several years, um, I'd studied with Dr. Huggins and um, a man called Dr. Thomas E. Levy, an incredible man, um, and several other leaders in in this area, in the field of alternative health, complementary medicine. And I learned an awful lot about why um, these things actually happen. Um, and this is something which for every MS patient, um, and this is something which will help everyone. Um, when people go through life and they have fillings, a filling, the older fillings prior to 1970, no, after, yeah, prior to 1976, they were 52% um, mercury, and mercury is the most toxic, non-radioactive substance on earth. There's proof of this. This is not just an opinion. There's absolute proof. Then there's 52% mercury, then zinc, copper, tin, and maybe 8 or 10% silver. So when the dentist says to you, it's a silver filling, it's a minimal amount of silver. Uh, it's silver in color, yes. The fact is that the combination of those dissimilar metals have all the basic requirements to be a little battery. Um, so you have a little battery in your mouth. The battery emits a signal, either negative, positive, um, high, or low. And it's a, it's, they're like, um, if, say, for instance, you think about the older flash bulbs in a camera, you take a picture, it would flash, and you'd hear this as this little battery was recharging. And that's what's happening with the batteries in the mouth. Um, the battery emits the signal. If you think about it, the nearest organ to your mouth is your brain. And the signals would go up into the brain. Around the brain, there's a fluid. When it actually interacts, the electrical signal interacts with this fluid, it creates uh, edema, a swelling. So when you have an MRI and they, they say, okay, well, what's happening is that your immune system is attacking itself, it's confused, and it, it's breaking down the myelin sheath, the insulating tape around the brain nerves. That's what they tell you. So you just say, okay, fair enough, I've got this sclerosis or scarring, which is what it is. What it really is, is that it's creating this um, uh, interaction between the um, uh, the electrical signal and the, the fluids around the brain, and it's creating this edema or swelling. So what's showing up is is swelling, not uh, scarring because of um, your immune system attacking itself. Now, um, in, let me think, it was 2005, Dr. Huggins was giving a, an interview 
uh, to 250 medical professionals. And he explained this, amongst other things, but he explained it. And when he was leaving, he was confronted by several doctors, as you can imagine. One of the doctors said that he was the inventor of the MRI. He said, Dr. Huggins, I'd like to tell you you're wrong, but I don't think I can. Now, if the inventor of the MRI actually acknowledges that this is really what's happening, then I think that maybe that's true. Um, uh, you know, but if you think about it, MRI scanners are costing around half a million dollars, maybe you know, uh, a third of a million pounds. There's thousands of them around the world. And the last thing any of the medical authorities and hospitals want to do is to acknowledge the fact that they bought a piece of equipment which is not showing the truth. Um, and, you know, they, they don't want to uh, acknowledge this. It's a frustrating thing, but this is really what's happening. Hmm. Okay. Now, with, um, with dentistry, again, this is another thing which uh, uh, is a major influencing factor over people getting um, sick, and especially with, with, um, with MS. Uh, again, a root canal is probably the worst thing that um, a woman, it's bad for a man, but it's probably the worst thing for a woman as well. Um, when statistically 94% of all women that have breast cancer or died of breast cancer had a root canal. If it was a, a 10% or 5%, you could say, well, it was just a coincidence, but 94% is a little bit more conclusive evidence. So it's a reason why um, there's uh, very strong reasons for women primarily to not have root canals. And again, this information is, is documented in, in, great de in great depth with, with people like um, Dr. Huggins and um, George Meinig. Um, there's, there's an awful lot of very, very highly qualified and medical professionals who have seen this and have documented it. But again, the powers of E will not say um, that they will uh, do anything about it. Going back to the LDN, um, about um, 18 months ago, um, a friend of mine, who, or a lady who became, uh, her and her husband became a friend of mine through my work with Dr. Huggins. She'd actually made an inquiry. I'd called her, we talked. And um, then she'd explained about um, her uh, MS and also explained about the, uh, the use of LDM. She recently got married, or she was obviously engaged at the time, but she recently got married and she, she walked beautifully uh, into the church and out and she looks incredible. And she's have, she has very, very few symptoms of MS now. I mean, sometimes she gets a little bit weak um, but the, the, there isn't any of the um, spasms or spasticity that, um, that is uh, common with, uh, with MS patients. Um, her vision is perfect, perfect bladder control. She has no real symptoms at all, and that's just from using um, LDM. Now, she told me about it, and um, I did, again, a little bit of research. I actually had a chance of taking LDM in capsule form, but... Um, uh, I did it for a month, and I didn't stop it uh, voluntarily. It was simply because I couldn't 
have the um, DLE and uh, put together from a compounding pharmacy. Um, I had it originally taken when I was in Virginia, and then um, I went back to Colorado. And unfortunately, I, uh, my compounding uh, chemist that I was uh, talking to um, refused to do it. So I did it for a month and then stopped. And then I, um, I recently come back to England because of I'd lost my job because of MS. It was just a case of um, Dr. Huggins didn't feel comfortable about me getting sick. And I think what I did um, over the course of the years, he's very much an egotistical man. And the fact that all of the other medical professionals were wanting to talk to me um, because they didn't have to pay to have the uh, questions answered, and they knew they would get a very credible answer as well. Um, he, his ego was a little bit sort of um, too dominant, so um, and he wanted to change direction uh, in his business, so I was let go in May of last year, uh, 2011. So I came back to England uh, at the end of last year because I had become very weak and I lived on my own and I was getting very concerned because I was falling over and I had no means of uh, looking after myself. I, I couldn't work. So um, my family brought me back to England and I've been very, very fortunate. I'm staying with my lovely sister who's been looking after me. Um, I'd been to see a doctor in the town uh, or the next town I live uh, in is called Worksop. And I'd uh, been to see my doctor, a very open-minded doctor, because most doctors are not necessarily open-minded to things which are little bit alternative. And I asked her about LDN, and she told me that um, to get LDN, it would be, even though she believed in it, it would cost about 1,500 pounds a month. I said, hmm, I'll leave that. Then um, I was talking to my friend that I mentioned earlier, um, and she lives about 100 miles away, I was talking to her, and she told me how to get it. And um, she told me about EMED, um, so I registered with EMED, registered, and uh, my interest in LDN. And then they sent it. I proved to them. I have uh, sent a letter proving my MS from the neurologist, the hospital in Nottingham. And um, they then sent a prescription to um, Dixon's Chemist or Dixon's Pharmacy in Glasgow. So mm -hmm. um, about six weeks ago, um, I um, had, no, five weeks ago, I had my first bottle of liquid LDN. I initially took one and a half grams per day and just gradually increased it. And about um, four or five days ago, I've been taking the four and a half milligrams. Um, so it's um, on the correct dosage now. In that time, um, I've actually noticed slight improvements. I mean, for me, because I, uh, I'm not one of these people who says, okay, well, I'm, I'm not better now so I'm going to stop it. I, I didn't get sick overnight. It took me several years for it to become um, so bad that I was incapacitated. Um, so it, it, I, I can't possibly expect it to, to cure me or to make me um, significantly better in a week. I mean, the body is a very complex thing and there's an awful lot of uh, components, organs, systems in the body which are contaminated now and it's going to take a long time before each one of those things are um, improved 
um, to uh, uh, even a, a minimal amount, but um, I'm very positive because I'm feeling um, uh, I, I feel my, my stability is better. I'm able to I, I do what with a cane now, um, and I'm finding that, like Linda said, that's you know where furniture walking I I, I just wobble from um, room to room just touching the furniture or the walls. Um, but I sometimes I think, okay, well, I'll try and walk normal now. And I force myself to not touch anything and just walk. And, and quite often I can walk maybe, say, 10 paces, and then I will get a bit overconfident and trip and fall into something. But uh, that's just a, a minor thing. It's just reminding me that I can't be so... Um, not to be too optimistic too soon. I know this is making a difference. I know this will make a huge difference in me because of, of the, just the, the different ex, different symptoms I'm, I'm noticing now. Um, but I'm very, very confident that it will. I, I believe I'm going to be perfectly fine. It might take me 10 years, but I believe I will. I'm actually 57. Um, or 57 and a bit. Um, so it's... Uh, Knowing that I've done so much in the way of physical activity, um, it, it, even, it's hard for me to say, well, okay, well, I'm getting older now. I can't do these things. But um, I'm not an arrogant, ignorant person, but I definitely am positive in terms of I know I will get better. Well, thank you, Stefan, and I look forward to doing another update with you. Well, that's my pleasure, and if there's anything that I can do to help anybody else, um, I would very gladly do that. Just a matter of interest, um, I've written a, uh, a small ebook, and I, I have a website called Rather Be Healthy. www.ratherbehealthy.com, and on that site there is um, probably over 350 posts. Um, probably 50 or 60 of them are ones that I've written myself in relation to dentistry, and the reasons why. Um, cavitations, cavities, um, uh, amalgam fillings, root canals, um, braces, bridges, all these different uh, aspects of dentistry that explain um, how they can create other problems and exacerbate certain symptoms of MS as well as um, just restricting people's lives. So, be worthwhile looking at. Thank you. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.